Welcome to the GI Psychiatrist Podcast, a podcast affiliated with GI Psychiatry, a new mental health startup working toward increasing the education, awareness, and care of mental health in patients dealing with chronic gastrointestinal issues. Now here is your host, Dr. Claire Brandon. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Claire Brandon. Just a reminder, this podcast is strictly for education and information. I'm not providing medical advice. If you or someone you know is struggling with mental health, please reach out to your doctor or emergency services in your area. Listening to my podcast does not result in a patient-doctor relationship. I practice in New York City and don't always know the resources in every part of the country, unfortunately. All content on this podcast is my own opinion and doesn't represent that of anyone else or any other organization. I'll be posting about upcoming episodes on the podcast Instagram, The GI Psychiatrist. If you have a question or idea for this or upcoming episodes, please let us know by direct messaging The GI Psychiatrist or on our website, www.gipsychiatry.com. And we'll do our best to incorporate any questions or suggestions. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the first episode of The GI Psychiatrist. I'm Dr. Claire Brandon. I'm a psychiatrist in New York City where I work with patients for all different types of mental health issues. But my true passion is working with patients who are struggling with different types of gastrointestinal issues. In today's episode titled Get to Know GI Psychiatry, I want to break down a bit about GI psychiatry psychiatry in general, and give you a sense of the background and the process for this show. First, what is psychiatry? You might be new to the idea of psychiatry and mental health, or maybe you're not, but let's go over some basics. Psychiatry is a medical specialization, and it's the study and treatment of mental illness. Psychiatry has a difficult historical reputation, and it's remained a specialization that is relatively misunderstood. As recently as 70 years ago, we had limited explanations for psychiatric illness and portrayals of psychiatric care and psychiatric patients in the media and Hollywood has definitely added to the fear and stigma about mental health. Psychiatric treatment also started out quite limited and at times problematic. In fact, the first antidepressant wasn't developed until the 1950s and psychiatric medications and treatments are really very multifaceted. They require a good understanding of the in-depth complexities of someone's mental state. As I mentioned, mental illness is heavily stigmatized, even to today. Rather than considering it similar to any other chronic condition, like diabetes or heart disease, people don't discuss psychiatry in that way. They feel that it's a choice in many ways or that it should be under someone's control to simply think themselves out of it. A great ad a few years ago that portrayed this was showing a cancer patient actually being told over and over again to just get over it and identifying how uncomfortable that was to watch because we would never say that to someone with a physical illness. So why would we say that to someone who is struggling with mental health issues? I hope that this podcast, we can break down some of these barriers and get some more information about GI psychiatry, the interface of medical and mental health issues. Okay, so how does someone become a psychiatrist? 
The number of times someone has asked me in a confused way whether I'm a psychologist or a psychiatrist, I probably couldn't count. Psychologists are really great at what they do, but it's simply a totally different specialization and leads to misconceptions in the community. Psychiatrists have gone to medical school and have either an MD or a DO. This is the exact same place where a surgeon or cardiologist or gastroenterologist would start out in medical school. They've also completed a residency in psychiatry that's four years of specializing in all types of psychiatric illness from the seriously mentally ill, which we often consider as schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder, severe depression, bipolar disorder, all the way to other things like personality issues, anxiety disorders, OCD, adjustment disorders, the list continues. All psychiatrists are not analysts, they're not Freud, um, although often have bad jokes about Freud. Just to clear the air, all psychiatrists are not analyzing what you're thinking and doing at all times. And Generally, you know, they're no longer the mysterious person sitting behind a chair silently making you nervous that Hollywood would suggest. We can look like you, every gender, every race and sexuality, however you identify yourself, a psychiatrist might do the same, which is great because it means that you can find someone to feel comfortable with and stay consistent in working on mental health issues. Now, psychiatrists are different in a lot of ways because it depends on what type of treatments they might provide. Some psychiatrists only prescribe medications, some only do talk therapy, some do both, and some do more. Psychiatrists can specialize in all types of conditions. Some work exclusively with seriously ill patients in the hospital on psychiatric units. Some work in the outpatient world, treating patients with a wide range of issues. And some psychiatrists choose to specialize in various types of treatment, including types of psychotherapy, couples therapy, or group therapy. And then there are fellowships. Fellowships are additional training within their specialization, similar to someone focusing on internal medicine who might go into cardiology or gastroenterology. Fellowships in psychiatry focus on, for instance, child and adolescent psychiatry or geriatric psychiatry. Some doctors specialize in working with forensics in the forensic population and jails working in the public sector, and then finally working with medically complex patients or what is called consultation liaison psychiatry. That's what I am, and that's what we'll focus on today. So what is CL psychiatry? From psychiatry, as mentioned, you can specialize in consultation liaison or CL psychiatry. Unfortunately, it's a relative unknown even in the field of psychiatry. Although historically, there's been quite a bit of overlap with general psychiatry and medical conditions. Early psychiatrists incorrectly thought that diseases like ulcerative colitis could be caused specifically by mental issues. The field up until a few years ago was called psychosomatic medicine, but due to negative connotations of that not being very collaborative, And being a bit outdated, we've switched over to consultation liaison psychiatry. While we now know that it's not true that mental health is the direct cause of illnesses because we've gotten a lot better at diagnosing, it still provides an idea of the initial investigations of the field where mental and medical health overlap and in fact are one and the same. 
mental health is health. And mental health conditions are chronic illnesses at times. The field of consultation liaison psychiatry refers to both the consult of a patient, so talking to them, understanding what's going on, and the work that goes into communicating and connecting with the treatment team. That's the liaison part. The organization that CL psychiatrists belong to is actually a national one called the Academy of Consultation Liaison Psychiatry. This is a relatively highly specialized field due to having to know all about different disorders of the body, the medications used to treat those, and pretty much every interaction that could potentially take place. Drugs can sometimes cause mental health conditions, and diseases sometimes can cause what looks like a mental health condition. So it's important for these psychiatrists to know all of those interactions and to be able to point those out to other doctors. This specialization is board certified, meaning that you can take a test to certify your knowledge in this field. Due to all of this, if you're struggling with a chronic health condition, it makes a lot of sense to seek out a psychiatrist, either an MD or DO, who has had fellowship training in this field. While depending on what part of the country and world you're in, it's not always possible to do so. You can request that your psychiatrist or primary care doctor or specialist, like your gastroenterologist, tries to get input from a CL psychiatrist. And usually they're available at large medical or academic settings. Besides what we're going to be considering together on this podcast for gastrointestinal-focused psychiatry, why else might you be seeking out someone in consultation liaison psychiatry? Let's think about a few of the major sectors of this field. First, reproductive psychiatry. This refers to the practice of medicine treating women prepartum, antepartum, and postpartum, which means to say anywhere in their reproductive cycle for mood issues and mental health. It's important uh, also in patients that are undergoing fertility treatments because this comes with a lot of stress and anxiety especially if things aren't going the way we had hoped. Unlike some autoimmune conditions, which are generally thought to improve due to the state of pregnancy, mental health issues unfortunately don't improve and can at times worsen during pregnancy. The majority of cases of postpartum depression actually originated prior to the pregnancy or during pregnancy. Having a psychiatrist able to focus in this area and be aware of these specifics, as well as make treatment decisions, such as starting an antidepressant, and talking to you about all the risks and benefits of this, can make a huge impact on the health of mom and baby. Some CL psychiatrists focus their work in cancer patients. While not everyone who gets cancer also develops depression, the overlap and the likelihood of depression in cancer treatment is pretty high. It's not only because cancer is an incredibly stressful and provoking condition that results in a host of feelings for patients and their families. It's also induced at times by medications used in cancer treatment and the side effects associated with these life-saving treatments. Going forward with treatment, if someone is experiencing side effects that result in mood issues that no one is aware of or helping to treat, statistically, this can result in lower compliance and poorer outcomes. Seeing a CL psychiatrist in this case can be life-saving. While there are CL psychiatrists focusing on conditions specific to organ transplants, infectious disease, 
and other specializations of serious illness, they're often hospital-based and affiliated with clinics probably too detailed to give justice here. But one of the final subsets that I'd like to inform you about is the CL psychiatrist focusing on outpatient settings and chronic conditions such as autoimmune disease, pain, and neurological disorders. Some of this overlaps in these conditions. However, there are definitely psychiatrists working on pain conditions and neurological conditions like migraines and complex nerve pain that is otherwise unexplained. Doctors might be working in chronic autoimmune conditions like thyroid disorders, multiple sclerosis or lupus, or even chronic progressive diseases such as dementia. Work in this type of field is often focused reactively on treating mood symptoms that arise from either the treatment of these conditions or the stress of having one of these conditions, and mood shifts from having to grapple with your health and mortality. Psychiatrists might utilize medications or psychotherapy to treat these conditions, and most importantly, psychiatrists look out for medications, supplements, and disease processes and can at the very least alert you and your treatment team to the possibility that there's a reason for how you're feeling. Let's take a quick aside to really understand this a bit better. How can medications be the reason for my mood? That's always a question that I get, and I want to break that down just a little bit. First, it's not all medications, and it's not every mood symptom that medications can cause. But if we think of side effects that can come up with some medications, the picture gets a little clearer. Let's first dive into a non-GI example and see if we can make some sense of it. We'll think about a different autoimmune condition that is in the neurological realm. Multiple sclerosis, or MS. Something talked about a lot these days as it gets more coverage and people are knowing more and more individuals who suffer with this disease. Prior to days of newer medications that use antibodies and proteins to target conditions, we didn't have a ton of substantial options to treat the debilitating conditions like MS. MS can cause damage to the brain and nervous system by a process called demyelination. In more simple terms, the body is attacking proteins on the conductive insulation on the nerves. This impacts the nervous system's ability to send signals well. It would be similar to taking all the coating off of an electrical wire. It might still sort of work, but it won't work as well or as efficiently. And eventually it can become so damaged, spark or misfire, and not work at all. In MS, that's what's happening to the spinal cord in areas of the brain that direct signals throughout the body. Originally, medications used to treat MS included a drug called interferon and at times chemotherapy medications that we still use today in cancer treatment. Luckily, every day we're getting more targeted treatments so that your whole body doesn't have to see the impact of this medication. These medications, without going in-depth about their mechanisms, can result in a lot of side effects, including fatigue, loss of interest, decreased concentration, and depressed mood. 
Patients who went through research trials, whether they had a condition or not, showed signs of mental health impact from these medications. On top of that, MS itself can cause damage to parts of the brain where our personality, planning ability, memory, and mood centers are located. And this too can result in depression from the damage or from the knowledge that your nervous system is being damaged. We've come a long way in treating MS, but leaving out the treatment of psychological health would be a disservice to patients struggling with this disorder. A psychiatrist trained in CL psychiatry would be aware of this phenomenon and able to consider medication and treatment that could help with extensive knowledge and how to not cause interactions with your MS treatment or add side effects and issues to your day-to-day life. Most importantly, in my opinion, when treating chronic illness, a psychiatrist trained in a specialization like CL psychiatry can help someone feel heard, understood, and gives you more time with someone who understands the process of your illness so that you can dive right into processing your feelings and thoughts about it. So we've made it to the question of what is GI psychiatry? At this point, we've talked broadly about psychiatry. We've also talked about this specialization called consultation liaison psychiatry. So now, what is gastrointestinal psychiatry? Gastrointestinal psychiatry, or GI psychiatry, is a sub-sub-specialization of CL psychiatry. It's not often discussed, and it's not well-known, and that's the reason for having this podcast. My interest in GI psychiatry was born out of being on the hospital floors as a consultation liaison psychiatry fellow, seeing GI patients really struggle with being understood and with their treatments in the hospital. Similar to choosing psychiatry, where I felt I could do the most good in medicine, in GI psychiatry, I saw a need for someone to help in this specialization. I took on as many patients as I could in this field, from Crohn's and colitis to IBS, bariatric surgery, intestinal transplant, and beyond. So what do we know about it? Although there's research being done with the brain-gut connection, there's still so much we don't actually understand. Often work being done in this field is found in the gastrointestinal medical journals rather than on the psychiatric side. And much of the work on the GI side is regarding quality of life. That is to say, the way that a person might perceive how well they're doing overall and thinking about their outlook on life current perception of the world, hopes for the future, current mood, and where someone sees limitations, whether they are real or perceived to the person. Quality of life is definitely an important part of considering overall health, but in GI psychiatry, it gets more nuanced and specific to issues that might actually be inhibiting care compliance or healing due to the consistent state of inflammation from anxiety or depression. Often patients who are struggling with GI illness have an added component of mental health issues, either prolonging or worsening their symptoms. If you think about what GI patients struggle with, chronic pain, vague abdominal discomfort that can be scary at times, unexpected flares, so not knowing how you'll feel from day to day, difficulty eating or eating around others, 
struggling to eat at restaurants due to having to avoid trigger foods, bathrooming concerns, including frequent trips to the bathroom, urgency, and a really scary fear of not knowing where the next bathroom might be or being trapped somewhere without a bathroom. It can prevent patients from feeling like they can go on hikes, walks, stay over at someone's house, all things that we really take for granted on a day-to-day basis, at least before the pandemic anyway. This is just a sample of things that could be happening with someone struggling with GI illness. It's very stressful and overwhelming, so no wonder there would be some aspect of mental health impact. Having untreated anxiety or depression or any other mental health issue actually results in similar inflammation in the body as any other chronic illness. Our bodies are great at adapting to stress. It's evolutionarily helpful. If you're running from a bear, you go into fight or flight mode. But our body also can't differentiate. It simply knows that there's a stressor and it needs to respond. If that stressor is persistent depression or anxiety, you're potentially in fight or flight mode all the time, but there's no bear. So what does that do? Well, it can elevate your blood pressure, increase your heart rate, slow down digestion, increase a chemical called cortisol in your body that actually turns everything that you ingest into fat and keeps everything amped up in ready-to-run mode. Again, this is all great if you're under duress, but perceptual duress for anxiety and depression results in a state of lower ability to heal and process. That's not your body's first priority if you're in fight-or-flight mode. We're going to definitely get deeper into this in a future episode on inflammation, but it's worth highlighting here to think about, again, the importance of considering psychiatric care when you're dealing with a chronic GI illness. Now, if you were just diagnosed with a chronic condition or an acute condition has become chronic, the news can be tough to take, and there are a few broad categories to think about in processing this. First, I know it's coming from a psychiatrist, but you're listening to this podcast, so it bears repeating. It's worth investigating mental health care. Aside from gastrointestinal illness, I work with patients who have all other types of chronic medical conditions, and no one issue is easier or harder to deal with than another. They all have different meanings to different people. The one thing that they do have in common is that generally people feel somewhat misunderstood by their families or friends, and they're unsure how to advocate for themselves with their physicians. Your friends and family aren't going to understand fully. No one can 100% understand what you're experiencing, especially if they don't also struggle with a chronic illness. For that reason, sometimes it can help to think about finding others struggling with the same condition for support. Throughout this podcast, I hope together we can explore many different topics around GI illness and the mental health and psychological concerns that come up. I'll be including further explanations about inflammatory states in your body, the brain-gut axis, sleep, diet, exercise, and breaking down different topics in psychiatry that overlap with GI illness. We'll also have special guests from dietary, gastroenterology, exercise, and mental health worlds to answer more questions. 
If you have ideas, questions, or comments, please message us at the GI Psychiatrist on Instagram or at gipsychiatry.com. With the right treatment and being committed to learning more about your condition, you can achieve a higher quality of life, and I'm looking forward to taking the journey with you.